Welcome to Inside Parliament, a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering here at One News. I'm Katie Bradford, coming to you from the legendary TVNZ Beehive studio, and with Andrea Vance on holiday and Corin Dan jetting his way to Vietnam for APEC, I'm joined by Ryan Boswell. Hello. Hello and welcome. Thanks. So first week of Parliament, uh, what the, the what a shamozzle in Parliament! It was I've chaotic. never seen anything like it. It was just bizarre. I typically, from an outsider looking in, would expect a relatively smooth run. Loved the pomp and ceremony, but what happened in the house was just. It's unprecedented, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen anything like it before. Those things. I was sitting up on the public gallery and watching, and and all of a sudden, just saw Simon Bridges. Thought it was just going to be the election of the speaker. All of a sudden, Simon Bridges gets to his feet and starts yelling and pointing, and we're all sitting there going, "What's going on?" And then we realised that they didn't have the numbers, and it slowly unfolded. Anyway, let's have a look at that track, uh, and then we can, you know, have a look at some of those pictures. Unprecedented and dramatic scenes in Parliament. <laughs> as the government nearly falls at its first hurdle, electing a Speaker. I nominate Honourable Trevor Mallard as Speaker of the House. The government had five MPs missing. So National called its bluff and threatened to force a vote that could have seen Labour's pick, Trevor Mallard, lose and leave the government red-faced. That left those in charge scurrying back and forth across the House, trying to find a solution. Eventually, Labour agreed to National's demands to increase the number of MPs on select committees. So it was unprecedented. I've never seen that happen on the day of electing a Speaker. New Zealanders are entitled to expect better from the House than that. Uh, ultimately, that was not a situation of our choosing. Uh, that was the opposition decided, once the vote was about to start, that they weren't committed to the original understanding. To make matters worse, Labour actually had the numbers and would have won if National had forced a vote. I think it was more importantly a show of the disorganisation on the government side. Uh, they've got three parties, they didn't know their own numbers. Uh, every day they're going to have challenges. We had the numbers. What you saw today was sadly a bit of politics. But what this was was a real show of power from National, confident after nine years in government that it has the upper hand when it comes to strategy and a sign of things to come that it won't take opposition lying down. Away from the rough and tumble of the House was the pomp and ceremony of the 52nd Parliament being opened. And eventually Trevor Mallard was elected Speaker. I want to start off by thanking members for the uh, uh, somewhat delayed confidence I've shown in me. Your cycling experience will help you, I'm sure, as Speaker. You know how to keep the pace high, how to use the brakes sparingly and how to never backpedal. You would certainly be in the top ten greatest hits of, <laughs> of uh, parliamentary performers uh, in, in a whole lot of different ways. But no doubt Speaker Mallard's going to have a tough job keeping this house under control. How much did, I mean, from your perspective watching it out, do you think it gave the government a, a nosebleed, not a great start, not a good look? It's not a good start, is it? You expect a government to uh, start off relatively smoothly, um, being able to take control of the reins. I think there's a lot of questions among the public as to whether a Labour, New Zealand First, Greens government can run smoothly, or well, the opposition certainly running smoothly, and they, they came in firing. It was incredible to watch just how strong National was uh, on the first day in the House compared to Labour running back and forth. It 
it just wasn't a great start. Yeah, I, I definitely think National won on that day. They attempted to do it again on Wednesday. Um, not so successfully, but they're making a point, and I've spoken to a lot of them, uh, both in National and Labour, about this. It was all about National showing, hey, we know more about how the house works. We know how to run this more smoothly than you. And you've just dropped your eyes off the ball. You you, you don't know what you're doing. And if, if you think about that Labour, about that front bench, none of them... Oh, there's a couple of, of people who were in government, Damien O'Connor, Trevor Mallard, obviously, Shane Jones and Winston Peters. Winston Peters wasn't there, and I did think if Winston had been there, would that have happened? He mm. would have been on his feet straight away trying to stop that from happening. But but it shows the lack of experience, and it's the same thing happened in 2008, though, in reverse. When mm. National took over from Labour, they didn't know what they were doing. You lose a lot of that experience through the retirements and so forth, and it just gives them a, a slight upper hand. First question time today, Jacinda Ardern's not here, so that will be interesting as well, and, and the tactics National take in question time. Well, as I mentioned, National is united, and already we know the government's divided simply because of Labour, the Greens, and, and New Zealand first. So National is going to find those gaps to um, to take advantage of very easily, um, let alone Labor itself uh, trying to remain a, a cohesive unit. Um, it'll be yeah, it'll be fascinating because I think if this continues to happen, uh, public confidence won't remain. Yeah, I think there have been some big talks behind the scenes in Labor about stopping this happening. I mean, it was a senior whip. This, it's the job of the whips to know to count, to know the numbers, and to know whether they had that. And they just didn't foresee that happening. And someone should have thought about it. Ruth Dyson was a minister and has been around for long enough. She's a senior whip. Mm. I think what's also interesting in the House is the way they've actually placed themselves with Labor directly in the middle, New Zealand First on one side and Greens on the the other again, you know, to, to split them off as if they like can't sit anywhere near each other. Has Winston met with James Shaw yet? I think they had a quick phone call. I think James said they met for a coffee. I think, I think, I think very quickly 20 minutes or something, and that's it. Yeah, um, I think, I think this will make parliament interesting though. I mean, I think this is going to, to perhaps provide a bit of drama in the house and so forth, particularly in the, in the next little while while everyone finds their feet. Yeah, I think it will be interesting watching uh, the government and how it operates because it was easy for National in, in the last three, three terms to look cohesive, set the agenda, whereas we sort of, we're still trying to work out exactly where this government will go. And I think they'll use question time um, to try and... and get into those uh, problem areas that there may be between Labour and New Zealand First and the Greens. They'll come up with issues that they know that they're divided on or they're unsure of. They don't, you know, a lot of, and, and I know you've been finding this as well, when you talk to ministers and say, OK, so how are you going to do this or how is this going to happen? They say, oh, we have to, we need advice from officials before we can do anything. Mm. And and so there's going to be a lot of national, national knows more about these portfolios. If you're the former transport minister, you know what's going on in transport mm. more than the current minister does. And so you know where the gaps are and where Labor may, may struggle. And that's what's been interesting is that, uh, yes, we've had a change of government, but we've, had, uh, we've also had a change of opposition, but not necessarily uh, people leaving. There hasn't been a mass exodus from, from the opposition. We've maintained uh, the, same, the same leader, and so they are really They're super strong. And being able to talk to uh, those former ministers about those those portfolio areas which they know inside and out, um, it's going to be easy for them to get hits on this new government. There was the celebration, the arguments. No, I have ruled the member will take a seat 
the member will take his seat. And the tears for the newbies as the round of maiden speeches kicked off. I especially want to acknowledge my mum, Margaret. I dedicate my maiden speech to you. I am who I am today because of you. Ceremony and tradition as the Governor-General laid out the government's plans for the next three years. This government is committed to major investments in housing, health, education, police and infrastructure. And after yesterday's chaotic scenes, the first official day of Parliament saw National continuing to test Labour, filibustering debate at the first possible chance. We have not heard a single speech from members on the government's benches. Oh, I think it was a bit of game playing at the end of the day. It didn't really do any harm. It just meant that they were a bit later getting to lunch. There's uh, got to be an effective opposition. We're doing that. But I think we're also being constructive where we can. Finally, the Prime Minister laid out her plans, saying it's time for change. I cannot end child poverty alone, but we can together. I cannot generate higher incomes alone, but we can together. The opposition is more aspirational about New Zealand than the government is. The Labour and National leaders also taking time to make digs at each other. We must reject the narrow selfishness that has pervaded our politics for far too long. They've kept New Zealand first and the Greens far enough apart. <laughs> And the first move on the new government's policy agenda is to tonight introduce, under urgency, a bill to increase paid parental leave to 26 weeks. And while the bill has consensus, National supports it, it opposes the use of urgency. The MPs with newborn babies found their offspring were at least better behaved in the debating chamber than some of their colleagues, making this at least a kid-friendly house. <laughs> So all the pomp and ceremony opening of Parliament, what's interesting is uh, is all that tradition that goes with it. Have a look at what it was like when uh, Queen Elizabeth opened Parliament in 1954. It's a gala day for the capital. With all the gay colours of a summer throng to greet her, the Queen arrives to open Parliament. She is wearing her fabulous coronation gown. At Westminster, it is traditional that the Sovereign has no right of direct entry into the lower house. In New Zealand, where there is now only a single chamber, the same custom applies. It is to the chamber of the former upper house that the Queen will summon members of the House of Representatives to appear before her. Obeying Her Majesty's order, Major Bryan, Black Rod, backs away to call on the Speaker to lead members into the Queen's presence. The Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition take their places to right and left of the throne. Mr Holland pausing before Her Majesty to present her with the text of the address in Parliament. I wish to express most sincerely my warm appreciation of the arrangements which my Ministers have made for me to travel extensively and to meet my subjects in this country. I pray that the blessing of Almighty God will rest upon your councils. 
So that was the first time the Queen had done it, also the first time it was caught on film, and it looks so similar to what we see today. Yeah, Perhaps a few less cameras. Not much has changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that tradition of it is interesting, and it's quite cool. You know, the the, the black rod and the, the walking backwards through the house, everything they do like that it is quite, you know, the ceremonial and the pomp of it is quite, is quite amazing that it's still the same. And it's not something we typically see in New Zealand. We're used to seeing haka, yeah. um, but something a bit more formal and... I loved the judges in their wigs when they came out of Parliament. Um, uh, They gave high fives to all the kids standing (laughs) standing outside waiting to see it, which is quite cool because I think we'd only see that in New Zealand as well. You know, that that adds a bit of touch. And I also think um, what was really cool this week with the the swearing-ins was the number of languages it was done in, Mm. was that uh, every MP had the opportunity. There were a lot in Māori, and then there were a lot of other languages, Indian, Dutch, you know, people, Chinese, Mandarin, a lot of people had, had the opportunity to choose which language they wanted to do it in, which is, is a cool New Zealand thing as well. It's isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and Trevor Mallard holding a baby uh, in the house. Uh, not only have we got a couple of new mums and new dads, uh, and the babies are being brought into them into the chamber to breastfeed, as we've seen before, but um, the, they've now got permission to bring them in and out of the house uh, while they're there. And last night during the paid parental leave debate, Trevor Mallard actually held Willow Jean Prime's uh, baby while he was in the speaker's chair so and that was to show that it's a family friendly inclusive uh, parliament and I think the babies have been far far better behaved than many MPs. They are so well behaved (laughs) I expected at least some screaming at some point um, but yeah, quite unusual scenes to see. I, I, I don't think we've we've had this before, have we? Not we've so had many. Yeah, so yeah. many babies in in the house all at, all at one time, and of course, um, timings timings great around um, uh, pay equity and, and everything and else that's, that, yeah, that they're that's wanting coming to push through the through. house. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, as part of this as well, of course, in the speech from the throne, and the government outlined all its priorities. And one thing they mentioned in there was there'll be no more mining on conservation land. Let's have a look at your story about that. The Denison Plateau is home to Kiwi native lizards, insects and plants. Under a national government, mining this piece of conservation estate remained an option. What do we want? No money! What do we want? No! Sparking seven years of protests and a fight through the courts, now the new government wants new mining off-limits for all conservation land. The goal is that New Zealanders expect that our protected lands are places where nature can thrive. It will be a very positive thing. Um, we've got a situation where um, 3,000 species uh, that we have are threatened at the moment. There are currently 89 active and approved mines on conservation land. The policy change has left the mining industry stumped. We were taken aback. We had no uh, prior knowledge of any negotiation that would lead to that, uh, uh, that position. Chris Baker says they've had no discussions with the new government about how the policy will work or what it could mean. Even the new minister's unsure. Today, she was on the defensive. It's not a ban. It's been signalled that we're looking at mechanisms to achieve this. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before there's any law change. Well, if, if you take it literally, it'll have a big impact. And, and, of course, our concern, and I'm sure a lot of other people's concern, will be around jobs, investment in the regions, which is one of, one of this government's... Uh, you know, planks. The West Coast has long been home to mining and locals know the new direction will impact jobs but the local MP remains optimistic. There'll be a review of, of stewardship land that will allocate some of the land into productive purposes and some of it will go back into conservation. Exactly what it will look like and how long it will take remains a minefield. <laughs> 
So this issue has been going back and forth for years. I think it was about 2010 when National decided to open up a whole lot of, oh, of go, mining It goes land. back further than that. Almost a decade, I think, Forrest and Bird have, have been fighting um, the issue around mining on on the on particularly the Deniston Plateau, and that's gone back and forth, um, obviously through the uh, through the Environment Court, um, and then even earlier this year when the Environment Court said, no, no, you can't touch this. Um, Simon Bridges was like. Maybe we can take an, take another another look, and of course, uh, Forrest and Bird was was ready to fight this. So, um, I think what we've seen is is a real back and forth, a real battle for um, for the environmentalists, and now they've got a a green uh, conservation minister, well, she's she's put a complete stop to it. And no surprises that she has. Uh, but what do you think it, it's going to... I guess the issue is, is one, um, uh, what they'll do about any projects that may have started and so forth and what that means for the sort of, I guess, the ec- economy in those reason, regions who wanted that. Well, the West Coast has is, is always been a, a mining hub and so I guess for them it's it's working out, well, what else is there? What other uh, jobs can they create on, on, on that coast? And so maybe with this, this new new government we've got uh, a regional economic uh, development minister so we'd, we'd see some areas there but we still don't know exactly um, how they're going to replace uh, those those mining jobs and ensure that those communities um, don't can fall survive. Flat. If you look at, you know, if you look at some of those communities on the west coast that's it's already you know they're already struggling a lot and the you know New Zealand First uh, had, you know has made some big promises around regional economic development and and what are they you know aside from tourism in those areas you know what are they going to do to help help bring some of those different types of jobs in tourism well, I- conservation but but what else? Yeah, and I, I guess for the uh, for the mining industry, it has come as a as a bit of a shock um, because uh, while uh, coalition negotiations take place, uh, we're not privy to those, and the the, the the public doesn't doesn't know exactly what they're going to get. And as you've already mentioned, uh, the ministers are still trying to work out exactly what what they can do. And so um, I think the industry, uh, the mining industry, but other industries as well are still sort of um, waiting for more details around how, how how widespread in particular for mining this will be because um, there's the potential for uh, this government to to claw back on um, on exploration. Yeah, and I think they'll have to be really careful, I guess, back to, uh, when they're doing that to say, okay, well, if we're not going to let you do this, and, and I think they've said that they aren't going to do any more block offers, for instance. You know, if you're not going to do that, then what else are you going to do? What are we going to offer you to ensure that, that those businesses survive and those jobs are there and those communities survive and mm. so forth, rather than just cancelling everything? And that will be one thing they're thinking at, looking at when they're doing all this. I think people probably, not surprisingly, are in a hurry to know what the government exactly going to do but we're only a weekend it's only the first question time today you know that that you they, they do need time to get their head around everything and work some of that out you know because you can have all the policy ideas in the mm. world but the reality of actually putting them into place is quite different yeah well it's it's certainty though for for business isn't it oh because absolutely they, they, they of course they want to know yeah. yeah of course they want to um, know what's happening so what sort of time frame do you do do you allow yeah um i guess the government would like to move a lot quicker but you know those um, those uh, negotiations are still 
are still taking place. And, and even, I mean, the 100-day plan is massive, the amount of things that's in that 100-day plan, number of inquiries and so forth, uh, how they're going to get through all that. They're you know, going to the, fall flat, though, gonna, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they're I, I gonna... just don't know how that, you know, again, you can say say all you like during an election campaign, but when it comes to actually doing it, you know, I think there's there's the state inquiry into child abuse, there's the, mental, uh, the inquiry into mental health, uh, you know, there's a number of different inquiries alone. You've got to get those set up, mm. you know, all that kind of thing. They want to look at uh, some issues around housing as well uh, and, and then act on those. And this, all of this takes time. And also get it through Parliament as well. Well, yeah, I mean, they um, see that use of urgency already on the first day. Uh, they're going to have to be really careful not to keep using urgency mm. because, and, you know, and they were the ones who for nine years in opposition complained when, when National used urgency all the time. And I can see why they do it with the paid parental leave bill. I know National disagreed with it, but in that case, there has been two select committees on that very issue. Mm. And I think uh, it would be a waste of time and money to hold a, a select committees for that very same bill. I mean, even if there's slight changes to the bill, it's the same issue and you're going to hear the same arguments about it. Mm. I understand why National also is annoyed about it because they're saying, well, you've been criticising us for nine years for using urgency and now you're, you, now you're doing that same thing. But I think in this case, you can see why they chose it to be their first bill. They wanted to look at that's where the government, that's the direction the government's going in. It was such a big pledge, such a big issue. But yes, they are going to have to be careful around all of this. Mm. And I think, yeah, so I think... Um, that's us for this week. Great to have you with us again. This was Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. It's generally available every Friday on uh, Friday morning on the One News Facebook page, iTunes and SoundCloud. See you next week and thanks for joining us, Ryan. Thanks.